You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Great, the Tetrarch, Herod the Tetrarch, excuse me, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So we've been going through the book of Acts. We, we had a, a little, little interlude here with Peter's miraculous gel escape, the angelic jailbreak. And before that, we were, in chapter 12, we were dealing with the church at Antioch. And as, as we see what's happening in the church at Antioch, this is a church where we were first called Christians. Believers were first called Christians at the church of Antioch. It was a birth as a result of persecution. So as the persecution in Jerusalem extended and people left, we find that this next wave of persecution, it took them further north and they came to Antioch. Now what's interesting with Antioch, it's the place where the Jews for the first time went outside the Jewish people in proclaiming the good news about Jesus. And so the Greeks received uh, the gospel at Antioch. And so there was revival that took place and we see that there was all sorts of signs and wonders and the good news received and people were birthed into the kingdom and they were growing and growing and growing. So much so that Jerusalem heard about it. So they send Barnabas up to find out what's, what's happening in Antioch. And as Barnabas goes up there, it's interesting what the scripture says. He saw the evidence of God's grace among them. And so as Barnabas sees that, he is so thrilled as he realizes now that the gospel, as, as, as Peter had already received revelation in chapter 10 about Cornelius and his household, now Barnabas is getting it about what's happening at the church of Antioch and all the Greek believers that are coming into the kingdom, as well as Jews that are coming to Christ as, as well, and the revival that's taking place, and he sees the evidence of the grace of God. They're having a great time. He realizes that there's a need for teaching, which is really interesting because the very first verse we find that in Antioch is prophets and teachers. But what has happened is Barnabas has gone up to Tarsus and found Saul, who's getting ready to be called Paul, and brought him back to Antioch so that he and Barnabas could teach the new believers. And it says for a whole year, they're teaching the new believers. And that gets us to the end of chapter 12 with when then the prophets appear at Antioch and the prophet Agabus is talking about a famine that's coming. And so the church at Antioch of Jews and Greeks. So we got Gentile believers taking up an offering for Jerusalem, for the Jerusalem church, for the believers in Jerusalem. And <clears throat> it's sent back to Jerusalem so that they would have enough through the famine. 
So now we get to chapter 13. And it just starts and says there's, there's prophets and teachers. Yeah, they've been, they've been doing this for over a year. They've been teaching new believers intensely. This wasn't like Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, come to the church and we'll have our new converts class. And after six lessons, you can be a member. And there we go. No, this was intense. This was new believers meeting every day, getting instruction about the Lord, getting instruction about the scriptures, getting instruction on the Holy Spirit, and and coming into day-to-day living. And it's in the midst of that, that as they are worshiping and as they're fasting, so that gives the context for what's taking place, we get the names of these guys that uh, are the prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, and Saul. Now, I'd like to get to know Manaen. Anybody that was raised with Herod the Tetrarch, I'd like to know what, what his... I, my hunch is, as I look at this, I think he must be a teacher because he probably was schooled in the royal realm uh, and, and, and had all that goes with that. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, okay, this is New Testament, okay? For those that, that like to take Jesus and say, you know, you can't fast as long as the bridegroom's here, you know, and use that as our out of not fasting, <laughs> it's like, no, they were worshiping and fasting New Testament These are prophets and teachers. These are the believers that are worshiping at the church of Antioch. And as they're doing this, what happens? The Holy Spirit speaks. In the book of Acts, we we find that the Lord speaks. We find that angels speak. We find the Holy Spirit speaks. And the environment for the Holy Spirit to speak most often is, is that environment of worship. And so as we're worshiping, and, and even when you add in the, the extra dimension of fasting, it's like, wow, what an environment for the Holy Spirit to open up and communicate. But this time he's communicating something rather significant about those that he's called and they're to be sent. Hmm. Now, a lot of times when it comes to fasting, I, I, I have a little flippant way, you know, when, when we're doing something and it's going to be a little extra hard, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, well, we're having trouble with this, you know, I, I, this kind by prayer and fasting. That's what I usually say. And it's like, okay, we didn't get a breakthrough yet. Maybe we need to add fasting to that. I say it sometimes in a jovial type of way, but you know, there, there's something serious, even as, as Jesus, and I, I know as, as you get into critical scholarship on New Testament documents, they can say that that wasn't in the original manuscript, that it was something that was added later. I think, I think it still remains absolutely certain. When the disciples were having difficulty with the casting out of a demon, and they said, why couldn't we cast it out, Jesus? Why, why couldn't we do it? We've, we've casted out demons, you know, on many trips and many times. And why didn't it work this time? And he said, this kind by prayer and fasting. 
and fasting. I think he's, he's talking about a level of intimacy with him that he, that he longs for all of us to have. And there's times when, when, when we're going through life and it's difficult to connect and really appropriate the, the divine resources that we have, whether it's because of our fear, our unbelief, uh, our, our ignorance, or whatever it is, we don't know how to do. But the invitation is to fast. Why? Because in fasting, it gives us an opportunity, I think, to, pres- to be before the Lord in a way that no other time provides. There's something different that when you've intentionally chosen not to do this in order to be intentional with your time of worship and coming before the Lord, when you're denying yourself and you're coming into his presence, there's something that catches heaven's attention about that. And it catches the Father's heart. And the Holy Spirit is released. And he comes to speak and to communicate to us. A lot of times the only time we fast is when we're in a devastating circumstance. Sometimes we fast because we, we're so overwhelmed emotionally that we don't even think about eating. We, we, it's, it's not even on our radar that it's time to eat. Now that doesn't happen very often for me. My radar is pretty good at knowing what time it is and when, when it's mealtime. But when, when you're overwhelmed emotionally in, in the circumstances of life sometimes, you can just forget to eat. That's not exactly fasting. Fasting is, is, is when we're being real intentional. And sometimes it's because we, we have the, the hunger pains, we have the, the stomach that's growling that reminds us it's time to eat. And instead we, we take that and we say it's time to pray. It's try, time to be with the Lord. And sometimes there's, there's those situations that really require more intentionality than others. We have to be intentional. I've been reading some, some interesting books and some folks with some uh, incredible ministries that when they are interceding and they're praying for a situation or a person and they're in captivity, they're in bondage, that there's a, there's a real sense in which there's physical devastation that's coming, uh, diseases, is, is that they've, they've come through prayer and fasting They've come to enter into an intercessory dynamic with the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And they either end up in heaven, heaven's courts, or they end up before the throne of God. And from there, they're interceding and they're warring in behalf of the one that the the Lord has laid on their heart. And as they're there contending, contending in the spirit realm, for their healing, for their freedom, for their deliverance, for their breakthrough, for their provision, whatever it is, there they receive divine input and they know how then to go and set the captive free. I think we've got several loved ones who are captive that the Lord really wants to see set free. 
And I think it's this kind of intensity that happens during worship as we're worshiping the Lord and we're fasting. When we're really getting intentional, when we're interceding, when we're, we're pouring out our heart before the Lord and we want to see him move in power in someone's situation or life. That he's going to give us direction as we get in his presence either in the courtroom or in the throne room. And from there, hear what the Lord has to say. A lot of times that's where the angelic comes into play. And that's when the Lord knows what needs to go before you to pave the way for you to get where you need to go so that what his heart, what his love, what his nature desires to happen will happen. And as you go forth, you go forth with more than just your own ability. You go with a sense of the fullness of the Holy Spirit upon you, within you, and angelic assistance escorting you to the region where your loved one has been, been captive. And let's see the captives free. Right on. Hmm. Right on. So it's in this kind of environment that the Holy Spirit speaks to the church at Antioch. And this is what the Holy Spirit says. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. When the Holy Spirit calls you, it's good to pay attention. Mm-hmm. None of, us, none of us just become Christians. We have been called before the foundation of the earth. There's a sense in which everyone who believes has been called before the foundation of the earth. You were wanted, you were called. Those that respond, come. The whole concept of call is that God is the one who initiates And in his initiation, he gives you an opportunity to respond. Just because you have a call on your life does not mean that you will walk in the call that's upon your life. You've been called to him. You've been called to fellowship. You've been called to be a part of a a local fellowship. You've been called to be in relationship with brothers and sisters. But you can still resist that call. But when we're called, it's an opportunity. When we're called, it doesn't mean it's 100% guaranteed that this is what's going to happen. It's an opportunity for you to respond to the call of God in your life. Some of us, we we respond far enough as, as we answer the call to salvation. We think getting rid of the guilt and condemnation and the shame and all the bondage and everything that's on us, it'd be nice to get rid of that. So we respond to that and we say, yes, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. And he comes in and he forgives us of our sins. And we answer the call, the invitation to be a forgiven person. Then he calls (laughs) to reside within us. He's not settled with just the absence of our sin. He wants total residence within our being. And as we respond to that and we open our hearts and we open our lives, we open the very core of our being and we invite him in, he comes in and he takes up residence. And we have a party. That's party central. 
That's, that's good time. Let the good times roll. Jesus right. is on the throne of my heart. Holy Spirit is living large within me. And then we find that he calls us and he graces us with understanding of how the Holy Spirit works and who the Holy Spirit is and all the gifts and the anointings and everything that flows through the Holy Spirit. And as we respond to that invitation, he's, he's living large within us. And as we're doing that in a regular daily relationship with him, there comes the point in our life when he has special assignment for us. And the Holy Spirit speaks to the church and says, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the mission to which I have called them to. Somebody's getting called today. Oh boy. But there's a call that's coming that has, that has come, but there's a, there's a reissuing of the call, an opportunity where if, if we've hesitated or we've, we've started and then we didn't continue, there's, there's, there's the reestablishing of the call of mission. We've got the call of relationship. Now we get the call of mission. And as that call of mission comes, wow, what do you do when the Holy Spirit singles you out and calls you to a specific task? Well, we find in the church that they continue praying and fasting. Just because they got the call, they didn't immediately go out. The first thing they did when they heard the Holy Spirit speak is that they, they continued to pray and fast. Worshiping the Lord, just continuing in prayer and fasting. And then it says that they laid hands, they placed their hands upon Barnabas and Saul, and they sent them. And then we get into the rest of chapter 13. What we call the first missionary journey. We see what that sending looks like. I'm looking at it with all new eyes these days. The Holy Spirit's just given me kind of the vision from the Father's heart, from heaven to earth. And as I see it, I, I, I see it completely different. I thought, well, no wonder they needed, they needed that, their hands laid upon them. They needed to hear the Holy Spirit speak. They needed to have confirmed, affirmed, confirmation that they were called and then to be sent to be sent. Huh. Had the strangest thing happen this past month. Maybe it's been a little longer than a month. I'm in the presence of the Lord, just worshiping, enjoying the Lord, praying. And all of a sudden I hear him tell me that he has sent me. I don't think I've ever heard the Lord ever say that he has sent me. When I was a good little free Methodist minister, you know, I went through the whole ordination path and got my degrees and got all the stuff and had hands laid upon me and the scriptures and proclaimed the word. And, and, and I was sent to all the churches within the free Methodist denomination within Wabash Conference that they would send me to. I only went to two. I went to Westmore Street. I went to Merrillville, and I was back at Westmore Street. And then they decided they didn't need my services anymore because I speak in other tongues. So that stopped. 
But as I've, as I've done ministry all to then, I've never really had a sense that I was ever sent. I've had people call me. This church called me. Mike Mulvaney was the voice. He was the spokesperson for this church when he asked me 13 years ago to come here. And so the Lord, and, and I said, yes, I, I, I already, I kind of knew before Mike did, but <laughs> no, Mike might have known, but before I was invited, I, I knew that this was what the Lord had had ordained. So I, I had that. But out of nowhere, all of a sudden, the Lord said he had sent me here. That changes everything. I have been sent here. Yes. Probably for 12 and a half years or longer, I didn't know that. I thought I was called here. I thought I was just answering a call. But now I realize the Lord has spoken and he has sent me. Now that may mean nothing to you, but that just kind of turned me upside down. It did something in my heart and it's like, oh my. And having been sent here, the Holy Spirit is doing all sorts of crazy stuff inside me. One, he's breaking my heart for lost people. I've always had a heart for wounded people, mostly believers who, who have been deceived and tormented and hurt by all the ways of, of this world. But now he's breaking my heart for lost people. I never, I never quite read Timothy do the work of an evangelist. I was just thinking Timothy was just hanging out, going on travels and all this kind of stuff. But he, he was the one that was leading the church of Ephesus, of which they think may have had 10,000 believers at that time. So there was plenty of pastoral responsibilities to be done. Plenty of apostolic duties that needs to be done. But he said, do the work of an evangelist. I think the Lord's calling us. I know he's calling me, but I think he's calling all of us corporately to do the work of an evangelist. Regardless of what your fivefold gifting and anointings are, I think this is a day that we need to be mindful that it's time to do the work of an evangelist. We've got good news. Just this week, I heard a brother from Lexington, Kentucky, and as, as he was up and he was sharing, it just blew me away. He'd grown up in America his whole life, and he never heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when he heard the good news, he just couldn't believe. He just couldn't believe that it was true. And when he received Christ, his life was so radically changed, and he thought, they don't know. They don't know. We got to tell them. We got to tell them. And as, as this guy was talking, and, and the Lord's been dealing with me about breaking my heart for lost people, I'm just going to go, oh, I just assume everybody's heard. I think it's a deception that the adversary uses upon us to just think everybody in America has heard the good news about Jesus and they just chose to reject him. No, they don't know him. They may be rejecting the church's presentation, but they're not rejecting the person of the Lord Jesus. 
they haven't seen him. It's time to make him visible. It's time to manifest Jesus in the earth by taking good news and letting the Spirit fill us with a real sense that we have been sent. I think of the song, So Send I You. We do it at missions conferences when I was in the denomination. But it's like, as the Father has sent Jesus, so Jesus has sent us into the earth. Holy Spirit, let that sink in. May the full demonstration of the gospel be a reality in each one of our lives today. May we be aware that we carry power within our words. I pray that you would fill us, Holy Spirit, with a love that would be so broken for lost people. Those that are pre-believers, they haven't believed because they haven't heard. And it's time to get our feet made beautiful because they carry good news. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. As we hear your call, we respond and we say yes and amen. We, we in our response, we're willing to put in fasting and prayer and worship as just a normal part of, of our intimate relationship with you so that we can hear your voice more clearly and then we say, just as we've seen all through these first 13 chapters, oh Lord, shake the place, release your spirit, give us the boldness to love as Jesus loved. Give us the heart of Jesus uh, that we might go and seek and save that which is lost. Give us the heart of Jesus to destroy the works of the devil Give us the heart of Jesus to reveal the love, the goodness, the reality of our Heavenly Father. Mm. And for this, we'll give you praise forever and ever. Hallelujah. Amen. Mm. As the worship team also known as Mike. <laughs> Mike comes up and leads us in this last song. I just invite you to use the whole sanctuary as a place of communion with him. If, if you sense his call upon your heart and you want prayer, come to the front. We'll be happy to pray for anyone that's feeling a specific, a, a special nudging of, of, of God, of the Lord, to answer a call. A lot of times that you don't have to do it externally, but there's something about giving an external expression to an internal witness of, of the call of what the Lord's doing. If you sense a call, feel free to come forward. We'd be happy to pray for you and to uh, stand in agreement for all that the Lord Jesus is calling you to. Let's stand and worship the Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.